take your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Uh, this is a different passage compared to the others because this one goes into history and it tells all these backstories and that kind of where they got to this point and then interjects in, in that passage and it goes back to the beginning and say, let me tell you, all of this happened because of this test and, and what God did through their faithfulness or their faith that they expressed during this time. And, and so I, I think it's important for us to get this because sometimes in life things don't make sense. I'm the type of, I'm a logical person. I need things to make sense. Okay, if something doesn't make sense, it boggles my mind. Uh, Jenny and I went on a date night one time and we went to watch Mary Poppins on Broadway. Has anybody ever seen Mary Poppins on Broadway before? And so the dude that was, am I, am I just weird? Am I just the, one of the only ones that has ever seen that or whatever? Okay, all right, a couple of you. So there's this scene and you say, man, you're going to take my man car for doing that. It was super cool, okay? Did I just say Mary Poppins was super cool? We need to keep moving. So there's this part in this, and this guy that is the guy that's playing the part of whatever Dick Van Dyke's character would be in the show, whatever. And he walks up to the wall, and then he puts his foot on the wall, and I'm like, I don't know what he's doing. And then he puts his other foot up, and he walks up the wall. Then he walks across his tail, and he walks on the other side. I don't care who you are, that's cool, okay? I, I was just so blown away that this is happening on this screen that I was done for for the rest of the play. All I, all I was doing was like, how did they do that? That doesn't make sense. Nobody can do that. And I was like, kept whispering to Jenny. And she was like, will you stop? Just watch the show. And I, I've done that with, you know, things that have happened in shows or if there's a magic show or whatever. I need it to make sense. When it doesn't make sense, my mind just goes racing like what the, the, you put the pieces together and make it add up in my mind because this doesn't make sense. If you don't understand something, it creates frustration. If I don't understand something, I, I, I almost le- lose trust in something. You know, it's like I, I've, I've done zip lining and stuff like that. And we, we went to one that was in uh, Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg and stuff. And I'm looking at that thing from every angle of where is it connected and how is it connected to the other side before I was going to hook onto that harness and go literally a half mile that was over 300 feet tall. I needed to make sense that this is going to be okay. And I can't be the type of person that like, I don't get it, but I'm okay, let's just get on it. I need it to make sense. We come to a story in the Bible that God deliberately makes it not make sense on purpose. It's important for us to get this. We come to the story of Abraham. Abraham is the father of many nations. God was going to do a work. God was going to bring a redemption, redemption story through this lineage of these people. And as God's preparing this, he raises up and he calls out this guy named Abram. He's later, his name is called Abraham. And God brings this couple together that was Abraham and Sarah. And God's going to bless them and do a great work. But in order for God to bring them to this place, God had to have them take steps of faith. And it was big steps of faith. I mean, all the things that we talk about with Israel and God working and in and, and Bethlehem and baby Jesus, it all started with this story. It's amazing how some of the things that you're going through right now, you're thinking this doesn't make sense. It could be major things that God's doing on the road that you can't even see yet, that God took steps of obedience of Abraham to bring us Jesus. And it's, it's this amazing story. So we get to this long section in Hebrews And we're going to build up the verse 17 because when we get to verse 17, he almost brings it right back to the beginning of it and says, let me tell you how it started. But I don't want to cheat you guys by not giving you the full story of what's going on. So in verse 8, by faith Abraham, 
when he was called out of a place which he should, after receive an inheritance, obeyed. Remember, faith is obedience. Doesn't make sense. I don't know what God's doing, but okay, I'm going to do it anyways when God calls us to do something. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. That's another thing that we studied. It's uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't know where God's taking me. I don't know what he's going to do, but I trust God because God's not going to take me to a place of failure. This is definitely a visual of everything that we've studied so far. But God had a big plan for Abraham. Now watch this. Verse 9. By faith he sojourned into the land of promise. Wasn't just a land. You guys hear me out with this. God said it is a land of promise. It is a promised land. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. All of those stories are about leading up to this promised land of God giving it to them and them fighting for it and how God blessed them and the milk flowing with uh, a land flowing with milk and honey and all the promises that God gave them that he was going to bless them promised land as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob with the heirs of him of the same promise now I want to point out something at the end of this passage right here it says the heirs with him of the same promise So God said, I promised Abraham a promised land. I promised to bless him. But he said, I also promised it to the heirs of him, of all the people that would come out of him. You say, what do you mean by all this? Do you guys understand what what we're reading right now and what you're watching in the news is together? This is so cool. And and, and when I started this series like six weeks ago, I had no idea that this would land in this way, but God knew. Let me take you to Genesis chapter 12. So we're going to kind of go back in history and jump into the story a little bit. And the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of the country from when thy kindred and from thy father's house into the land that I will show thee. Now listen to verse 2. And I will make thee a great nation. Who's making that promise, church? Who's making that promise? God's making that promise. So you need to understand, when God makes a promise, God keeps his promises. And sometimes in life, God will give us visuals of these things so that we can point to them and go, oh, right there, God did that. I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Now, he said, I'm going to make your name great. It's going to be a household name. Even though the nation of Israel is this big on the map, everybody knows the nation of Israel. And he said, I'm going to bless them. And, and a blessing's going to come out of them. And you say, what does that mean? We literally have Jesus Christ, the cross, salvation, all the things that God did, all because of this nation, of what God delivered through this nation. Verse 3, listen to this promise. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. It's us. All the families of all the earth shall be blessed. Because God chose to use Abraham to bring Isaac, to bring Jacob, to bring the nation of Israel, to bring King David, to bring Jesus Christ, to bring the salvation that we have. And God chose to bring that through this line. God works in that way. God uses people. Not that they're any better than us, but God used us to to, to preach the gospel today. God works through people. So let me show you this in in a visual. And, And this is not where I'm going. I'm actually... Uh, working on a message that I want to deliver to the church very soon to help understand current events of what's going on and how that applies to this. Because I've had people message me with what we're seeing happen overseas. Does that have to do with prophecy? And I'd like to explain just how that kind of ties in. But let me show you a picture of this. 
Okay, this picture right here, all the green is Arab nations. All the green is Arab nations. Up at the top, that little sliver that you can barely see is Israel. So maybe you didn't realize how small Israel is. That is the promised land. That is the opposition. Not saying that it's all opposition, but there are non-Israelites. They are opposing nations or Arab nations or whatever. And all of them have always wanted that sliver. Do you know what they've never gotten? That sliver. Say, how is that picture possible? Why are we nightly watching this in the news? How is it that they have not just been, bink, and Israel goes away? Because Israel has the hand of God on them. That's why. You want to know why it's such a big deal that we stand with Israel? I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. I didn't say that. God said that. Okay? So therefore, we step back and we stand with Israel because God's people is Israel. And God made these promises through this. God was literally saying that when you see that, it's just going to be a tiny reminder in the world that we live in that I keep my promises. And it's neat to see that that does not make sense. That does not make sense. But here's the thing. God works through things that don't make sense. God raises up people and God works through nations and God puts all these pieces together. So here's the thing. You go against Israel, you go against God. And I know that's not popular because I promise you in a world, I I don't care what's popular. I preach the Bible. This is what the Bible says. I will curse them that curse thee and and bless them that bless thee. Hebrews 11, 11. Let's go back to this and get back in. I just want you to understand when God's making the promises, we can see these promises being fulfilled just through the, the world around us. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. She delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, I know what you're thinking. You read a passage like that, you're thinking, all right, wait a minute. Somebody messed up on this. Like, we know the story of Sarah, that she, she, she's the one that when she got older in age, she, she went back to, to Abraham and said, you're getting old, I'm getting old, I've got this young woman named Hagar. She can have kids. I've never been able to have kids. You've never given me a child. So what if we just, maybe God got this wrong and, and maybe God's not going to fulfill the promise. So go, go have a kid with my, my handmaid, Hagar. Well, that turned into a mess and it turned into this division. It turned into this war and, and Sarah, they, they have Ishmael and Ishmael is, that whole storyline is, is a mess, but we'll get into that later. But here we, we have this debacle. Sarah is not in unity with Abraham, and, and Abraham's frustrated and says, go, have your, go, go yell at her, whatever you want to do. Hagar runs off running, hiding because she's rejected of God's people. And you said, that is a mess. That doesn't make sense. It was a mess. It always turns into a mess when we don't th- do things God's way. But can I read this passage again? Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Do you know what's missing in that passage? In the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, God doesn't say who, and, and, and Sarah, who messed up and got ahead of God and made a mess with Hagar, and end up making a mess of other generations uh, through Hagar and everything. They just mess up. It doesn't even say that. Do you know why? Because God looks at her and says, Sarah, you're going to be remembered by your faith, not your mistakes. Yes. Is that powerful? Yes, Isn't that great that even though some people are like, man, I've messed up so much that I'll never be able to be 
considered with these people that have faith like this. Can I tell you that every single person, man or woman, in this passage of Hebrews chapter 11 had mistakes that they made, but they weren't remembered by their mistakes because their mistakes are covered by Jesus. If you don't fully understand this, wait till we get to next Sunday when we get into a passage in just this subtle verse that we're about to get to that God literally leans into this fact about the heroes of the faith that we kind of overlook. And so God was blessing her in this way. And uh, she messed up, but God so used her. Let, Let me put it like this. Walking by faith does not mean that we don't struggle with faith. Doesn't mean that we don't struggle. I want you to know that faith is hard and faith is messy and faith sometimes just looks like a mess. Look at people in the Bible. We have this idea that they were just like, yes, Lord, let's go. And they just charged in the situation. A lot of them messed up and a lot of them God had to pick up and clean up and, and, and push forward as they made a mess of their life. Uh, let's, let's go on. The story of prophecy and promise fulfilled through this in verse 12. And therefore sprang there even of one, which is Abraham, and of him that was as good as dead, literally meaning that he was an old man past the years of childbearing, And so many as the stars of the sky is multiplied in the sands by which the seashore is innumerable. God was like, here, here, I did this great thing through them. So we're just going through history and this. uh, And God's saying through one person, I did this. These all died in faith, not having received the promise. Said they died and never even got to see David and, and, uh, and what God did through this promise of how God delivered Jesus. They never got to see all this. But having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them. Some of the things that God was doing, they were at the start of it, but they didn't get to see the finish of it. I think it's cool that we're all here being able to be part of Fellowship Baptist Church. You know why? Because Pastor and Mrs. Denall 58 years ago started something, but they didn't get to see the full uh, impact of everything that God's done through this because it was for the glory of God and for the kingdom of heaven. And they even uh, emphasize this in verse 14. And they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out of, they might have had opportunity to return. He said, don't, I promise you, just like anybody else, they went through this and they had the opportunity to bail out, but they didn't. They kept going, and that's a part, a big part of this story. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore God has this, is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. It wasn't just about what they were doing. It was about heaven. It was about hope. It wasn't just... And the storyline of these characters, it was about the heavenly hope that God was going to deliver through these characters, through their lineage. Then we get to this story that it rewinds all the way back to the beginning of God giving them a child. I don't think that's by accident. I think that's kind of the, 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 uh, the, the bridge that got them to this point or where God like transitioned or brought them to the next level or did something bigger than what they were expected. It all happened because of verse 17. I think sometimes we miss out on the blessings of life because we don't live out verse 17 in our lives. God could have so much more for you, but you don't realize it because we don't apply verse 17. This is God taking Abraham to the next level, God preparing him for more. Like I said last Sunday, you are created by God to do more than you think. Abraham was like, man, this is great stuff. And God was like, I have so much more, 
but I need to bring you on a three-day trip before you're going to see this. Abraham is walking with God and doing all the right things, but then we get to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried or when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he had received the promise offered of his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be, be called. So we have this promise that God's going to do this great thing, but he brings them to this crossroads or he brings them to this test or this opposition. And I think this hits home with a lot of us. God says, I'm going to do all these things. And Abraham did them. They were hard. I think Abraham would even tell you they were hard. Bible talked to him. We just read it. It says, I want you to get out of your homeland and go there. Where am I going? I don't know. Well, that's hard. I know it's hard, but keep going. I'm going to do something over there. What are you going to do over there? I, you won't even know for generations to come. I want you to leave your father and mother. I mean, that's hard. I know it's hard, but I want to, bring, I want to do something with you. God, God says, I, I want you to leave your house and everything that you know. That's hard. But then God gave them a sign. And now God is doing something through that son that's not just affecting their finances. It's not just affecting their home. It's not just affecting their daily decisions. This is affecting their heart. Take now your son, your only son Isaac, and offer him on the altar. That's, now we're like, whoa, what? God, what are you doing? Can I show you this story? It says in Genesis 22, verse 1, I want you to see what God is doing. Because I think a lot of us would line up right with this story and understand. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And he said unto him, Abraham? And he said, Behold, here am I. And he said unto him, Now listen to these words. I want you, I want you to get this. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son, thy promised child, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, do you understand that in life there's a lot of things that we're just like okay with? Well, not even okay with, but I mean, if, if I lost my job and I had to get another job, man, that's hard. Man, if, 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 if my retirement was struggling and you're fearful of the unknown of what's going to happen, man, that's hard. But when you start talking about the people that you love and losing the people that you love, that, that, that's not just hitting your, your mind, it's hitting your heart. Do you understand what God's doing of the test that he's about to do was not just testing his knowledge of God, but testing his emotions. He was testing his love. He was deep, going deep into his heart. God is not dealing with stuff. He's dealing with his heart. God was literally saying, as I tell you to do this, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. He said, I know what I'm doing. God in that passage right there was connecting his heart to Abraham's heart. He didn't just say, now take your son. He said, I know you love him. I know what I'm asking you to do. And get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. This is hard. This is complicated. What do you do when you're going through life and you know that God loves you, but it doesn't feel like God loves you? Now, I, I know it's going to get quiet in here, and I know this is going to be one of those things that we could all say that we've gone through these things. But sometimes when you're singing the songs about God's faithfulness, but you can't see the faithfulness of God, it will make you say, God, what are you doing? 
When, when, when God begins to affect the things that you love and God begins to mix things up in your relationships and, and, and things begin not to make sense in your life, that is when we start pulling back going, God, I don't know what you're doing. This does not make sense and I'm not going to run into this or walk into this because my heart says stop. This hurts. It's hard to move forward when you're hurting. I'm talking about a hurt that Abraham is saying that, that this is going to affect my wife because she loves that boy. And I, I remember the day he was born. And I, I remember how we held him, how we praised God, how we watched him walk and how we, we watched him do all these different things that we begged God for. And God finally did this. God, what are you doing? This, God, I'm sorry, but from every angle of you want me to be the father of many nations, this does not make sense at all. Nothing makes sense of this. Faith is moving forward when nothing makes sense. Out of all the things and definitions that I could give you about faith, I honestly think that this is probably one of the hardest ones. Faith is still doing and still obeying and still taking the path that God's giving you, even though everything that's in front of you tells you to stop and not to do it. Can I tell you the reason why I believe that this story is in the Bible? Because faith is about trusting God more than you trust your heart. Your heart will tell you, God must not love you. Your heart will tell you this is not going to work out. Your heart will tell you that God must be upset with you. That God doesn't always keep his promises or maybe this is the one exception where God does something different than what he said. There's a lot of stories in the Bible that make sense to me. Jonah runs from God and gets swallowed by a whale. It's like, why am I in the belly of the whale? You ran from God, dude. What were you doing? The story of Achan. When he took of the possessions and he hid it in his tent and then they lost the war. And God says, I told you not to do that. But what, what about stories with this where everything is in line and he's following God and he's doing the right things and then things don't add up. So here is the test. God's saying, do you trust me when things don't make sense? In verse 3 of Genesis 22, and Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, took the two young men with him. And his, Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and he went to the place and he went to the place. Can I read it again? And he went to the place of which God had told him. He went. So I want to just give you two points and I had a very long introduction because there was so much in this. But then we get down just to these last couple of verses. When things don't make sense, what do you do? When things don't make sense... We learn from this to just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Do you know what is so unique about this story? I'm going to tell you why. It's not that God just said, do this. And God, that doesn't make sense. I want you to do it anyways. Okay, that's complicated. But that's not what happens in the story of Abraham. God puts him on a journey. God literally says, I'm going to, I'm going to mess with your heart. I'm going to mess with your mind. I'm going to, I'm going to test you here. But I'm not going to show you what I'm doing till you get here. Which means he's got to make a lot of steps in the direction of following God when it hurts. 
And that doesn't make sense. Because we want, we, we're the most impatient people in the world. Man, we, we get so upset. Now we're upset at McDonald's if we don't get our order in 10 minutes. I mean, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's just the world that we live in. We're just instant gratification. Man, when it says fast food, I, I mean, I want it fast food. It's the world that we live in. But the Bible says, and when he gave the instructions of what he was going to do in Genesis 22, verse 4, then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. God's not just calling him to do something. God was putting him on a journey, literally meaning when life hurts, when, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're going through things in life and, and you, you wake up with that burden, you go to bed with that burden. There, there's a lot of things in life that really don't bother me. And sometimes in life you'll deal with things that are just like, well, I, I forgot all about that. Or, man, I still have to fix that. Or, I forgot the car was making that noise. Or, I forgot that they were making those changes at work or whatever. And they go in one ear and out the other. But what about those things that you deal with in life that every second of every day you can't get out of your mind? Because there's things like that. This is one of them. Abraham wasn't just enjoying the journey and be like, oh, I totally forgot that at the end of this, I've got to lay him on an altar. I forgot about that. No, God literally put a burden on his heart, literally meaning every second of every moment of every step, you're going to feel the hurt of this in your head and your heart. When your mind won't stop racing, when you go to bed heavy and you wake up heavy with this feeling, what do you do when you feel like quitting? And I think there's so much to be learned in this passage of this, of what Abraham did when he was called of God to move forward when nothing made sense. And this is what Abraham did. And the Bible tells us that he got up and he saddled his donkey, he got all the pieces together, and he took a step, even though his heart said not to. And the next morning when he got up and after they made their, their, their breakfast and they had their, all, all their, their morning routine and they, they had to saddle their donkey and maybe they, then they made another step and another step. And you're thinking, what are you doing? And Abraham would testify and say, my heart says no, but I know that God says to go. And that's not easy. I, I want to make application to this because a lot of you are here right now. A lot of you are in that place that you just want to quit because it doesn't make sense and because you're hurting, because your mind is consumed with something that is just boggling your mind and you're almost frustrated at God and you want to quit. I'm telling you the truth of the matter of what you need to do in this is just keep doing what God's called you to do. And I know that's not easy and I can testify that it's not easy. Sometimes it's difficult to praise God when you don't feel like praising God. But I'll tell you what, what, you're, what Abraham did is the Bible says that he rose up and he obeyed. You know what that looks like in our lives? That looks simply like this. God, I don't feel like it today, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to grab my Bible and I'm going I'm I'm to have you talk to me and then I'm going to talk to you. Even though my heart says I don't want to, I'm going to do it anyways. And in my heart, I, I'm, I'm frustrated with God and life is falling apart and I'm hurting. But I'm still going to set the alarm. I'm still going to get up. I'm still going to go to church. And I'm still going to use my mouth to praise the name of my God. I'm going to do what's right. I don't feel like doing it and I feel like finances are falling apart. But I'm still going to give to God because I'm going to do what's right. I don't feel like praising God in my car. But I'll turn up the radio and I will sing praises to God because I'm going to do what's right. Abraham's journey of doing what's right was literally going to the place to sacrifice. But your thing of doing what right is right is doing what your heart tells you not to. And that's just keep taking steps towards what he told you to do. Even when you don't feel like it. 
Because faith is not about going by your feelings. It's by trusting God when your feelings tell you not to. See, along the journey of the ups and downs, God was working on him. I can testify that God does a lot of work from there to there. God does a lot of changing of your heart when your emotions are high. And you, man, you're just like, you get good news and you're like, yes, this is awesome. But then the next day when something else happens, you get down, you're almost wanting to quit. The thing is, you have to learn to keep trusting God and keep moving forward when your heart is hurting. And it happens to all of us. The key to this is don't quit. I challenge you, some, right now, some of you right now, that you say life doesn't make sense and God doesn't make sense and my circumstances don't make sense and the thing with my kids don't make sense. Just don't quit. Every step from Abraham was not a step of understanding. It was a step of obedience. Sometimes you just have to take steps of obedience and keep doing what's right even though it doesn't make sense. You say, why? And he told him to go to a place. I want you to know it's not a fact or matter of God not working. It's just a matter that you're not there yet. When things don't make sense, keep moving forward. When things don't make sense, number two, remember what God has already done. I'd love to sit down with Abraham and be like, dude, how did you do it? How how did you walk with your son? How did you keep moving forward when you were going through this? How did you do it? Because man, to get up and know, man, two days now, two days. I only have two days left. Isaac, come here, buddy. Give daddy a hug. Two days, two days. Go through that evening. It's just one night left. One night left. Come here, buddy. Daddy, why are you crying? Daddy's not crying, buddy. Daddy's not crying. I'm just... I'm just, I don't know, buddy. I just love you. And the next day, to get up and say, this is no more days left, no more days. Abraham, how did you do it? The Bible gives us these instructions of what happened. He said in verse 18 of Hebrews 11, of whom it was said, that in Isaac thy seed shall be blessed, and it shall be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. You say, what does that mean? Abraham is walking, and he's just literally following after God, and he's doing the right thing. And somewhere along the way, or even from the very beginning, it registered in his mind as he's looking at that child saying, wait a minute, he shouldn't even be here. Wait a minute, God blessed me with that child when I was unable to have a child. And my wife being 90 years old when she's of age, that you don't have kids. And by the way, it wasn't just that we were old, we were never able to have kids. And Abraham in that journey, it says right there, when he remembered, when he began to process, he remembered, and my, my seed shall be blessed by that man, which means that by that boy, it means that God's doing something because God's already blessed. Promise you, you're going to get to places in your life where you're going to say that this just does not add up and it does not make sense. It is so important that you turn around and remember that God has been faithful. God will be faithful. God's already taken care of me. God brought me to this point. God will not fail me now. You need to call to your mind what God has said. He has done what he will do. You guys know I'm preaching to myself right now, right? Everybody know that? I know you're all thinking it, so just put it out there. What, what do you do when you've been with 
certain hospitals in Columbus, Ohio, that, that, have, that have told you that surgery was not going to be another option. When you, when you meet just weeks ago and they said that, it's, that we don't think we would go forward with surgery, it's not a good thing because once we go in, you can never go in again. Scar tissue will build up and this is a done deal. What do you do when OSU tells you that the last thing that you should possibly do, and we highly recommend it, and the surgeon literally says that OSU says, <clears throat> when it comes to radiation, here's every option that we have, but this is the one that I would leave off the table until desperate measures. We go to Cleveland Clinic, we get the recommendation, we were, that wasn't even part of the plan, and they say, here's the plan. We're going to do radiation, and then we're going to go in for surgery, a major surgery. And you're like, well, wait a minute, that's the opposite of what they said. That doesn't make sense. And Jenny could tell you as we're sitting there with the doctors, I had a lot of questions. You know why? Because none of it made sense. I, I, don't, I don't know what that, how do you put your faith and confidence in anything? Because none of, none of it adds up. And, and in, when they're saying that this is a one-time shot and here's the side effects of this and here's what this could happen. And if we shoot between this and this and we hit just this, then everything might be okay. But we're not going to know. They literally said, we're not going to have a clue from scans and everything until we literally open up your son and we go in. That's the only way. So literally, we've got to push ourselves to a lion's den moment where we have to go in and experience God because there's no way of knowing beforehand how things are going to come out. But in the middle of that, can I just remind you as God turns my head and, and says, Tony, remember when they told you the first surgery was impossible, that it would never happen because your son can't have anesthesia. Do you remember when they said that if he was under anesthesia that he would die because of the pressure of everything happening? Do you remember when they said that this would never happen, this would never happen? Let me tell you, all that never happens happened because God made it happen. No, I know I don't know the future. But sometimes we've got to look back and say, you were faithful. God, you were faithful. I never walked alone. I never took a step, even though I was scared. And let me tell you, I was scared. I remember the first night of leaving the hospital and driving to Pastor Dave's house and I sat in his driveway and I wept so hard. I was so scared. I was so overwhelmed. And he said, Tony, it's going to be okay. I said, stop saying that. I said, he has cancer pushing against every organ in his body. Literally just distorting everything. And you're going to just sit there and say that it's okay. I can promise you. In that moment, I did not want to make a step towards God because it didn't make sense. Not if it made sense. It's not that we were running from God. It's not that we were mad at God. It's not that Logan was running from God. He was literally going off to Christian college. And I promise you, I don't care who you are, and don't, don't you dare say to me, well, I'm not going to bring up my situation because it doesn't compare to what you're going through. Your situation to you is just as real as my situation is to me. But we're all going to come to a place where God puts a test in us to say, I'm not trying to hurt you. I want to help you. I want to prove to you. But I've got to get you to the point where you trust God more than you trust your heart. Can I give you the best part of this whole thing? Yeah. Can I show you, the Bible says, in all of these things that he was doing, that God was doing something big. And it says in Genesis 22, verse 5, And Abraham said to the young men, Abide here with the, the ass, and I, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship 
and come again to you. And then I'm thinking, Abraham, how did you know that? Because you're going up there and you know the instructions, but Abraham trusted God through the midst of all that. What stands out to me in this passage was faith, that, that, that he was going up the mountain. And the Bible says, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. And they went up, both of them together. In verse 9, and they came to the place. They came to the place. Let me read it one more time. They came to the place which God had told him of. It was never just about the step forward. It was never just about every aggravating thing. It wasn't just about the sleepless nights. It was never about just holding his hand. It was never about just telling him good night. It was never about just gathering the wood. It was never about just getting to the foot of the mountain. It was never about just getting halfway up the mountain. The whole point of the story is was God was taking him to a place. And there's so many of us right now that's saying, what is God doing? I don't understand. Keep moving forward because you don't understand simply because you're not there yet. God didn't unveil what he was doing until he came to the place. And we list, we have a generation of us that's so upset with God. God doesn't provide and God doesn't keep his promises and God doesn't help me and God doesn't care. And God says, that's because you quit on the journey when I'm trying to take you somewhere. Just trying to get you there. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Do you understand? He came all the way to the place of obedience. And we talk about Jehovah Jireh was in this moment. Do you understand what Jehovah Jireh truly means? You talk about a word or a name of God that we take out of context so much. It's like, I need God to provide for this. Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. It's true. That word does mean God will provide, but it means more than that. And he said, lay not thy hand upon thy lad, neither do him anything unto him. For now that I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thickets of his horn, with his horns. And Abram went unto him and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And then we get to the name of God. And I promise you, understanding the name of God will change how you view what you're going through that doesn't make sense. And the Bible says, and Abraham called the name of the place. We always say that Abraham called the name of God or he called God in that moment. But the Bible doesn't say that. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. Have you ever wondered why God named the place Jehovah Jireh where the place that God provides and not just the fact that God is Jehovah Jireh because God is the one that provides? Have you ever wondered why it doesn't say it that way? Because what God's waiting for us is to be people of faith, to trust God when it hurts and trust God when it doesn't make sense, to get to the place where he wants to show him who he is. You're never going to see it. You're never going to experience that touch of God or that move of God or that provision of God or whatever God's doing when you give up on the way there. Because in your mind, you say, this just doesn't make sense. The word Jireh has two meanings. It means God provides, which is totally true. 
but it also means the God that sees. The root word of Jireh means the God who sees. And it says, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, we're, we're, we're waiting for God to show up in our circumstances and God's waiting for you to show up in his faithfulness. He wants to see your steps of obedience. He wants to see that you trust him. He wants to see you get to the place where you're saying, God, I get it, I obeyed. We want to see God and God's waiting to see us. After that is when the provision came and God says, there's a ram that I'm going to provide for you. God is the provider. But it comes through steps and a journey of obedience, especially when things don't make sense.